Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy. But you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production, where people gather. LaFosse Corporation, LLC. the 30 odd years that I've had to kind of live with this it gives me a, a really really warm feeling about humanity and also about once we leave this particular realm that that there are other places to explore my grandparents on my my dad's side they were lovely people they lived in Buffalo New York and my twin brother Kelly and I we would go see them at the same time every summer we would go for two weeks and it was just this this wonderful time my grandparents were real characters. My grandpa just would smile and tell jokes and would kind of come home with, with White Castle hamburgers, which, God, I loved. My grandmother would just feed us Oreos and she would make zucchini bread from a vegetable garden in the backyard. They were very loving grandparents. When I was nine, my grandma was diagnosed with terminal cancer. My grandpa was very stressed out by this, obviously. And a week after the diagnosis, he actually died of a massive heart attack. When we got the news, it was very shocking and it kind of blindsided us. And then two months later, my, my grandma passed away. So we were just pretty much devastated by it. We thought it was into the world. Kelly and I were not allowed to go to their funerals. My parents just didn't think that we were old enough or ready to, to deal with death. So we were never able to say goodbye to my grandparents. A few months after my grandparents had passed away, it was uh, Sunday night. And we had just finished dinner. Kelly and I were watching our, our favorite TV show. And uh, we were instructed to, to go upstairs and take a shower and get ready for bed. And we always showered in my, my parents' bathroom in, the, in their bedroom. So finally a commercial came on and we wanted to get upstairs as quickly as possible so we can continue watching our show. 
And so we walk out into the hallway just outside of our kitchen and we turn on uh, the hallway light because we're terrified of the dark. And it doesn't turn on. So we're like, all right, whatever. There's another light switch about, about probably six feet away from, from that light switch that turns on the, the light in the stairwell to go upstairs. So we get to that light. And that one doesn't turn on, which we thought was strange. Because like, this had never happened before where, where just lights were not working. So we decide to kind of forge through. And we hit the top of the landing where there's a light switch. And we flick that one on. And nothing. There's no light at all. Now we're just freaked out. We very bravely walk in the dark to my parents' door, which is closed. And we open the door as quickly as possible so that we can turn that light on so we can just not be in the dark anymore. We just want light. That's all we want at this point. So we get to that light switch. And that one doesn't turn on either. At that exact moment, I look and... There are these two floating orbs in the corner of my mom and my dad's room. They were just kind of hovering and kind of staring at us. And then Kelly and I looked at each other and then realized that we were terrified. We just ran downstairs and told our parents what happened, but they didn't really take it too seriously. I do recall them saying, go upstairs and take a shower. When we went back upstairs again, the lights turned on, but there was nothing in there. So after we had taken our shower, we were in our, in our bunk beds, and we just kind of looked at each other, like, what was that? What just happened? And I think, you know, the best thing for me that happened was having Kelly there, there with me because there was somebody to corroborate what I had just seen. So I didn't feel like I was crazy. After the initial shock had, had worn off, I came to the conclusion that the lights were my grandparents saying goodbye and allowing Kelly and I to see them one last time, which felt wonderful. I feel blessed to have seen that. It was really, really a, a, a wonderful event that happened in my life that I would not trade for anything. Hi, I'm Nora Tricello, two-time best-selling author and international speaker on intuition, and you are listening to Real Paranormal Activity Podcast with Aaron Hunter. Welcome. I'm Aaron Hunter, purveyor of paranormal stories, the occult, and the unexplained. Welcome to RPA, 
I hope you enjoy your stay. Hey guys, Aaron here, and it is Monday, October 9th, 2023, episode 307. How's everyone out there around the world doing? And man, as always, glad to be back in the hot seat. And it is getting cold over here. A cold front came through, and yeah, it's chilly at night. And so we have the fires going in the story den today. As far as announcements are concerned, if you guys haven't heard on the last uh, episode, I'll be releasing additional entertaining short films, and it's all going to be horror-based this spooky holiday. So enjoy. And in fact, I released a new entertaining short film today, so check that out. Merely go to realparanormalactivity.com to watch all the movies and videos, or use the RPA app. And tomorrow, Tuesday, there will not be a new Aaron's Horror Show. He's merely out for this week again. And, and this Wednesday, a new Terry's Mysterious Moments will be out, so don't miss that. And as always, this Friday, two new entertaining short films will be released. And so, I hope you guys are ready to get your spook on, and we're going to do more listener stories. So, you guys know what that means, huh? Come on, say it with me. Say it with me. That's right, to the story then. Follow me right this way. No pushing, no shoving, and the fires are blazing. Nice and toasty in here. And as usual, you guys know the deal. Grab a beanbag over there in the corner, find an empty spot on the floor, and while you guys are doing that, get behind my desk here, get nice and comfy. And I printed off Britt's packet and see what story she has for us today. Okay. Looks like we have two medium ones and a long one. All right. Let me take a sip of my green tea real quick just to wet the whistle. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. So good when it hits the lips. All right. The first one. This one is by Doyle. And it's titled, Maw Ghost. Okay, Doyle, let's see what you got, man. I own a retail store which leases a space in a shopping mall. I've been there five years and I have numerous stories of the ghost which resides there and has been there for some time. I was warned about the ghost which all the tenants have named Henry when I moved in five years ago. There are many experiences, but... I'll focus on one which happened in my retail store. About a year and a half ago, I had a new employee hired with lots of experience, so I gave her the keys to the store so she could open and close. One night, she was responsible for closing and so she did. When we went into the store the next morning, the bathroom water in the sink was running on full blast and the store was flooded over $20,000 in damages. At the time, I blamed it on the new employee leaving the water running the night before. Until last week, my assistant and another employee opened the store as usual in the morning. Uh, Nothing out of the ordinary. After about 10 minutes, one went into the back room because she heard something. The water in the sink in the bathroom was running full blast again. She asked the other girl if she had been in there, and she had not. She never even entered the back room. So, one girl goes and turns it off and goes out into the store. She had to run to the back room again right after, and when she did, the fridge door was open in the lunchroom. Now, in order to get to the bathroom, you pass the fridge, and if the door is open, you can't pass because it's so small. 
So it's safe to say it wasn't open when she was there previous. Uh, she closed it and went about her day. Might I note the employee who I thought flooded the store originally uh, swears to this day she did not leave the water running. Do you think it's possible for a ghost to do this? And for what reason? This ghost has done everything from tearing everything up on my desk, putting papers everywhere and all over the floor, to throwing merchandise around in the store, which we caught on camera. We can see the items moving, but nothing else. Should I get someone in? Uh, thanks for reading. And man, that's from Doyle. Doyle, thank you very much for sharing. Of course you should tell somebody, you know, get some investigators in or... You know, especially if you actually have footage. I mean, that's evidence. Uh, I'm thinking maybe you want to contact your local TV station, give them your story, show them the footage. They might, you know, put a special spot for you, and after that, someone's going to see it and then may contact you. But, yeah, of course you should uh, let somebody know. And, yeah, it's huge that you got some uh, footage on your security cameras. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And if you're wondering, can a ghost, uh, you know, turn on water? Well, yeah, we get tons of stories of ghosts doing a lot of things. You know, slamming doors, turning the water on, flushing toilets, that sort of thing. Even items disappearing, reappearing, maybe a few days later or even months later. So, yeah, there's all kinds of things that can happen. And in the beginning of the story, you say that uh, you heard a lot of stories from the other tenants in the mall, and they even named it Henry. So, uh, yeah, you got something going on, man. Yeah, again, thank you, Doyle, for sharing. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised he even has to ask that. Of course, get somebody in. <laughs> All right, what's next? What do we got? This one is by Toon. And it's titled, A Visitation. Okay, Toon. Let's see what you got, man. So, this is going back 20-odd years to when I was a small child. I had a tendency to have vivid dreams and sleepwalk. But this experience stands out to the point that I remember every little detail. My nan died six years previous to me being born, so I never met her. Though my mom had a photograph of her in the dining room, so I knew her face. I remember my mom tucking me into bed and turning my light off, leaving me to sleep. I'll try and describe my childhood bedroom. This is described as if I am sitting on my bed. So, I slept in a single bed in the middle of two built-in wardrobes, which were either side of me. Opposite my bed were some drawers and dressing table, also built in, which had a TV on it. My door was in the far right corner from my bed and a window to the left. One night, I woke up in the middle of the night, as most young children do, and sat up. I remember my lamp being on, and as I looked, there was a lady in a blue dressing gown smiling at me, and she introduced herself as my nan. I remember asking something along the lines of, why have I never met you, and the conversation turning to her telling me how she would have loved to take me to the park or to the shop to get some sweets. 
And I remember jumping out of bed telling her she could and taking her hand, walking out of my bedroom door, turning on the hall lights, walking down the stairs to the front door. I vividly remember her protesting, telling me, no, it's not possible. We can't go, and me insisting my mom wouldn't mind. Then I got to the door, reaching for the handle and realizing it was dark outside. My front door had glass built into it. I remember asking why it was dark, turning around and being alone. I went back upstairs to check. Uh, No one was there. I went down the stairs and looked under the stairs, thinking she was hiding. No one was there. I was so upset when the reality hit, and I burst out crying. My mom remembers finding me crying under the stairs in the night and describing the lady I had spoken to. As I've gotten older, she's reflected on this, telling me of the significance of the blue dressing gown that she wore almost constantly in her final days of cancer. I've always felt something around me, and on many occasions, from various psychics and clairvoyants, both myself and my mom have been told of my nan watching over us. Apparently, she always stays in our house and sits on the stairs. I've had an ex-boyfriend tell me he's seen the bottom of a lady's blue skirt standing at the top of said stairs. I know she's there, and it's not frightening. The thing is, I just don't know if this was a real encounter or a dream. The fact I remember this so vividly from so long ago makes me feel it's a real experience. I would love to hear your thoughts. Thank you. And that's from Toon. Toon, man, great story, loved it. Um, yeah, it's a real experience, and it was a dream. Uh, you know, from I read a lot of stories here on the network, and of course throughout the years of the paranormal. And it's not uncommon. Spirits uh, can you know communicate with you in your dreams. Yeah, there's a lot of stories like that, and and also I've never read about physical contact because in the story you said uh you held her hand you guys you know went downstairs turning on lights so yeah it's a dream and your nan is talking to you communicating in your uh in your dream and so this is a feel-good story you know she died before you were born and she's telling you uh how she would have loved to take you to the park or get you know some sweets that sort of thing but then you know, you want to go outside? She says, no, it's not possible. I can't go out. So, and also throughout the years, you got psychics and clairvoyants telling you and your mother that, uh, yeah, you know, she's uh, protecting you guys, watching over you, stays at your place. Yeah, it's a good story. Thanks again, Toon. And, yeah, I like feel-good stories. It's good stuff. Not everything's scary, Yeah. You know. All right, what's next? What do we got? This one is by Scott, and it's titled, The Great Sansara. Okay, Scott, let's see what you got, man. My story took place in August 1961 when I wore a younger man's clothes. I was home on leave, visiting my mother after basic training in Fort Knox, Kentucky. During a sweltering, humidity-filled summer night in central Michigan, 
Mom had recently moved into an old Victorian style home and I was trying without success to catch up on some sleep after a long bus ride back home. I was alone in an upstairs bedroom and without air conditioning. Sleep was all but impossible. During my third trip to the bathroom, I made the trek down the hall without turning on the lights as a bright harvest moon lit up the place as though it was daytime. Suddenly, I saw a woman in a full satin formal dress scaling the stairs slowly, one step after another. I could hear the fabric of her dress swishing as it rubbed against itself with each step she took. I was spellbound. I knew it wasn't my mother. In fact, in addition to the 18th century style dress, the woman had no resemblance whatsoever to my mom, who was taller and more slim. I wasn't afraid because I was immersed in curiosity about what I was seeing in living color. It helped that the woman seemed just as curious as to who I was. This is where things got really, really strange. You know, when living people first encounter each other, it is almost reflective to engage each other's eyes. I looked into her eyes and saw only white orbs. She never looked into my eyes. Rather, she stared toward my chest. Not in English or any other language, I could feel that she was scanning my inner self. A few minutes went by and after deducing that we had never met before, I could feel her deciding to move on. She began to walk down the stair, but disappeared into the wall about halfway down. The next morning my mother turned ashen when I related my encounter. She related that she had been listening to a woman's footsteps on the stair for a few weeks. But my sister refused to believe her. She made immediate arrangements to leave the place, and as far as I know, never encountered the woman again. I have often thought about my ghost encounter, and as I grow older and nearer to my own spirit destiny, I am quite keen to hear of other encounters with spirits. I can usually detect false stories, the ones that sensationalize and attempt only to generate fear and delusion, for what purpose I don't understand. All of mankind is already quite susceptible to anxiety. Why make it worse by attempting to scare others as well as themselves? We will all die someday anyway, so keep it real. I was nearly an agnostic before my ghost encounter. I always tried to explain reports of seeing a ghost by others as a result of some quirk in physics, but having seen my own ghost, I am a lot more open-minded than before. There is a book called The Tibetan Book of the Dead, written by a sacred monk named Padma Samhava back in the 8th century AD. According to the Tibetan Buddhists, the intermediate or in-between state between dying and death can indeed be quite frightening, so much so that some dying souls separating from their physical bodies become too frightened to leave the bardos, places of transition psychological states. So they wander, 
lost in a vast wasteland that Tibetans call the Great Samsara. A few years went by until I was wounded in Vietnam and had a near-death experience. All of this proves to my own satisfaction that a conscious stream of awareness goes on after physical death. Without a body, physical pain becomes impossible. But the psychological condition is vulnerable to either blissful happiness or immense psychological suffering. I'll save my near-death experience for another time. Peace and good fortune to all. The Buddhists believe that life itself is one enormous illusion, like a wave that appears to exist as an individual phenomenon, then crests and vanishes back into the vast ocean from which it came. We belong to a much larger entity that waxes in life and wanes in death. We were never really separate at all. Thank you. And wow, that was from Scott. Scott, thank you very much for uh, sharing. Uh, this is something new to me. Yeah, I, uh, I never read anything like this as far as transitioning, you know, when you die into, you know, crossing over. Looks like there's some insight into this uh, from the Tibetan monks. The Tibetan Book of the Dead, uh, written by... Padma Samhava. I'm going to have to look into this book. It sounds really interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it looks like you're a debunker. And you know there's a lot of uh, liars out there. We all know that. You even had your own near-death experience. I would like to hear about that or read it. Uh, you know, when you have time, send that in. Well, it looks like you found something here, huh? Yeah, very interesting. There's not much more I can say about it because this is something uh, I've never read before as far as uh, moving over. Yeah, interesting stuff. Thanks again. And, well, that's it, guys. That's all the stories for today. And as always, we're flattered that you come and visit us over at the RPA Network, and I'm glad that you guys are finding something that you like here. And make sure you check out the new entertaining short film I released today. And of course, this Friday, don't miss out on the usual two entertaining short films. And enjoy yourself. This is a spooky month for us, and man, have lots of fun. And so with that, I am calling it. The show's been produced by myself and Britain, and it's also made possible by LaFosse Corporation. And man, we love you. Oh yeah, we do. As always, thank you, and good night.